Tweaking Geek, number nine, July 16th, 2008. Brought to you by Mary Kay, the cosmetics of the tech industry. Do you have a pink Cadillac? You know, it's a dream of mine, but uh, I guess right now I only have a mauve Cadillac. A mauve Cadillac. Yeah, it's riding on the freeway in a mauve <laughs> Cadillac. Just, you know. It, it doesn't go. It's the trailer park of Cadillacs, we'll have to say. <laughs> So, if you all haven't noticed by now, I'm your host, Craig. And I'm your better host, Pat. And by better, you mean worse. Sure. Sure. So, how's it been going since the last time that you had to listen to me talk for like an hour and a half about TechEd? It's been wonderful. So, did you get your iPhone? I got my iPhone. No, actually, did I didn't. Really? No. no, no, not really. I, I thought... You know, to be honest, uh, all the tech podcasts I've been listening to, you know, I listen to the typical, you know, Buzz Out Loud, all the Twit ones, PC Mag, all that stuff, have just been talking nonstop about the new iPhone. I feel like I practically own one. And, <laughs> well, and I can't even really think of a, a great reason to buy one because uh, looking at, like, what the uh, old iPhone is versus the new one, like, the big thing is the uh, 3G service. And I don't know about you, but here in southern Maine, there ain't no 3G service. I know, and yet I know I actually know people in southern Maine who've been trying to get them. Really? And so uh, I can't explain it. Maybe the features are just that cool. Well, the processor is faster on it, and it has better battery life. But th- like the real cool stuff is all in the new software for it. Right. And so I found an interesting uh, advertisement for the iPhone 3G. Ooh. I'll make sure we get that into the show notes. Care to describe it, or is it, or is it too abstract for words to express? I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise, but let's just say I, I don't think Apple sanctions this one. Oh, uh, let, let me guess. You find out that the iPhone's really, really dead, and that the little boy can only the little boy can see it. You find out that Rosebud was an iPhone. Oh. The this iPhone. is actually a segment from uh, Ease the Soup. Is the iPhone- it's worth a minute of your life. Wow, it's worth $10,000? <laughs> wow, so... However, well, that, that's not the only news Apple had for us. What's the other news? They had a big, bad new store full of applications. Hmm. And have you partaken of the new store full of applications yet? I haven't dared yet. I'm, ter- I'm terrified of my iPod getting bricked when I update it. But it, I hear those were rumors, so move, moving on, I'll, I, I've got to try it out. Yeah, well, Henny Penny, the sky is no longer falling. The uh, iTunes App Store, let's just say about three seconds after it was released, I had already paid the $9.95 to upgrade to it on my iPod now- Touch. Now, what's, what's the deal with another paid upgrade? So the last major upgrade for the iPod Touch was also paid, and yet it was free for the iPhone. Yeah, it has something to do with some retarded uh, excuse they give about they're not allowed to do it for free because of some sort of accounting thing like Sarbanes-Oxley, which is totally stupid. It's just a way for them to collect a piddling amount of money because you know people like me will basically pay it 
for no, uh, you know, and with no argument. It's like, you know what? The benefits it offers is like not worth quibbling about. I'm sure there's some people out there who in principle will be like, I'm not paying $9.95 to get the iPhone or whatever, iPod 2.0 software. But you So know. what's included with the software? Okay, here's some cool features of the iPod Touch software 2.0, iPhone software 2.0, and I think it's probably the iPhone 3G like 1.0 or something. All right. Uh, first of all, you get the App Store. And uh, the App Store is basically just a new part of the iTunes Store. And when you go to it, you just basically, you know, it's just in that little list there with, you know, you have podcasts, TV shows, movie, and it's App Store. And Oh, so that's on your on your phone or iPod. It's on your phone. Yeah, yeah. It's on your phone or iPod or in iTunes. That's actually very cool. Is that you can actually browse and install things on your iPod or iPhone, but for me, iPod. Uh, and so they have like a ton of uh, applications that have come out. Some of them you can pay for. I guess the the most popular one right now is Super Monkey Ball. I have no idea what it's all about. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Super Monkey Ball is so awesome!" But I'm not gonna pay for it because i'm cheap super monkey ball was a uh, nintendo kind of party fun game like jump in and play a game for five minutes and move on casual gaming uh yeah you know i have to say that the games although it's like cool in theory i did get a few little games uh for free and it's just like playing on it's just a little teeny screen and you know it's just it's all right but uh no but so there's a ton of a ton of uh applications. And as you would expect, some of like kind of the big players in tech right now are releasing their like high quality free applications right away. And uh for instance, Facebook has a really really good uh application that you can check your Facebook messages, update your Facebook status, look at Can your- I play Scrabulous? No, cuz uh um, I'm sure there are multiple reasons why, but the biggest reason is that Scribulous is a Flash application. And this isn't web-based. This is a native application to the iPhone uh, or to the iPod. So you, you can't play Scribulous. It's, it's really just for like kind of the more rudimentary features, no like applications. But, this, but there's also some really – some of the other cool applications are uh, AOL Radio, where I'm not sure if you've ever – if you're familiar with it, it's – I'm sorry if you can hear. There's like a plane flying over in the background. So <laughs> uh, I live right under the flight path to the airport. Um, but anyway, so AOL Radio, they just have like a ton of radio stations on uh, that are streaming on the internet. And so you basically can go to any of these radio stations and over Wi-Fi or I imagine, you know, Edge or 3G, uh, you can stream, you know, music you know, these radio stations. And so I was using that today, and it's pretty cool. It sucks the battery down very fast, though. So you're using the most advanced music-playing device made by humankind to listen to radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's streaming radio over the Internet, which is, you know, pretty cool. Uh, th- there's also, uh, of, of course, you know, you'd have uh, Twitter. You know, that's a big one. Everyone loves Twitter, which is kind of funny because Twitter is – Twitter is d- down more than any website that I've ever known. Uh, and also, like, the services, they Twitter IM, where you can, like, you know, tw- you know, update Twitter via your instant messenger, has been down for, like, three months. And there's no word on when it's coming back. And yet, wow. it's still, Twitter's like... Twitter's down more than your mom. 
I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I prefer not to shoot fish in a barrel. But uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, exactly. So Twitter's down all the time. But Twitter, they have. There's two that I'm that I've downloaded: Twitterator and Twitterific. You know, they are really good at naming their things. Uh, personally, I like Twitterator better, but uh, Twitterific. It is all right too, but Twitter later is just like slightly easier to use. There's really not much you can do with it. You know, it's basically the same thing. Right. I mean, you can read tweet streams and tweet. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, they have, you know, AIM, you know, the AOL Instant Messenger application, which uh, is kind of cool. Uh, you know, they and then they have like some other like little games like. Uh, uh, phone saber, which is a picture of a lightsaber, and when you swing the iPod around, uh, it uses this, the accelerometer to make lightsaber noises. That's awesome. Have you had an iPod Duel yet? Uh, I haven't because I don't have anybody that has one of those. It could be really expensive too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, iPint is kind of funny. You have to. They have a whole bunch of disclaimers when you download this. It says this has adult themes to it where iPint is you have this bar and it like has a glass of beer on it and you have to make the beer slide to the other end of the bar using the accelerometer to where there's a your your buddy's hand waiting for this beer so you have to kind of dodge the you know the bowls of mixed nuts and the coasters and not have it fall off the edge that sounds really racy keep your kids away from it i know it's terrible there's a uh, tap tap revenge, which is kind of funny. It's like a little guitar hero type thing where it plays a little song and you have to tap the screen to to the beat and you know that kind of sounds fun. It, it is actually really fun. And well, the cool thing is also when the little uh, you know how the in guitar hero the little notes come down the the colorful or you know down the whatever you call it the thing the strip, to, the strip yeah uh well here sometimes a little arrow will come down and you have to shake the ipod in the right direction in order to play the note huh it, it is cool and uh and there's like other ones but i would have to say that uh it is unbelievably awesome like I, i've been just floored by how cool some of these apps are and how fast they came out i, I downloaded a whole bunch this weekend and then or like Saturday, I downloaded a whole bunch. I'm like, oh, these are really cool. Sunday, there are a whole bunch more new ones out. Today, there are a whole bunch of new ones out. So every day, they're just adding more and more yeah, free ones. And the free ones are like really good. Um, I would have to say, though, in the the coveted uh, space at the bottom of the, of the iPod screen where you have that strip of your four like kind of main icons that are always showing, I would have to say I actually awarded the Facebook app real estate there and i moved uh i don't even uh, safari up to the up to the wow. regular desktop yeah so it was it's that good oh and all right so th they're all really cool so a couple other interesting little things uh some of these apps can take advantage of either your uh gps if you have the iphone 3g to do things like um, there's a movie app where it reads your location and it will just give you – you don't have to type in a zip code or anything. It will give you all the movie listings and times for for uh, movie theaters in your area. And wow, will that will that work with the uh, iPod Touch Wi-Fi locator? It will, which is very cool. There's also a weather doohickey that will do the same thing. So it, it will use your iPod uh, 
locator for Google Maps. The only problem is, is that it it does not work if you like at my home. I don't. I'm not on the map, so to speak. So these applications just don't work. Man, you're living off the grid. I, I am living off the grid. I pretty much like live in a compound and you know plan to overthrow the government. That's pretty much like that's what it's like. I thought you I, lived in a suburb. Eh, it's I, is it, it's not really a suburb. It's more of just like a it's a super burb. <laughs> a hyperburb. A hyperburb. All right. So the coolest feature, though. All right, you're gonna die when you hear this. Are, are you prepared? Are you holding on? I, I'm prepared to die. The very coolest feature is that if you're watching video, it always used to be that the headphone jack had to be on the right because it would your videos would only be right side up that way. Well, now if you flip it over, the video will flip over. I don't really know what to say. I, I it took me by surprise because I was watching something and I said, "Wait, I'm watching this backwards. Is the movie upside down?" No, and then I, of course there was several minutes of me flipping the iPod back and forth and watching the thing spin around. That is a great feature, though. It is. A, a couple of issues that have come up with these apps, though, is I've had significantly more crashes in the iPod where you'll open up an application and all of a sudden it goes to black screen with just a little silver apple in the in the uh, in the middle. So speaking of some of these handheld uh, devices, I actually got to play with a Nintendo DS with the new version of Guitar Hero this week. Ooh. Um, now that you've mentioned your iPod clone. Um, that's kind of neat. So for the DS, which is a, a handheld device with two screens, if you haven't seen one before, um, one screen is meant to be used with a stylus. The other one's typically controlled with like a, a normal controller. Okay. Um, what they did for Guitar Hero... They added a peripheral that plugs into where the spot where like a Game Boy Advance cartridge would go, yeah. and that has the four buttons. So you kind of strap the DS onto your hand, and you have a four-button controller, much like the uh, guitar controller that you'd have on the full-size game. And then you actually have a pick-shaped stylus, and you strum on the touchscreen and play behind it with the buttons. Is it as unbelievably wow. cool as it sounds? No. Oh. It's good. Um, it's not as good as the real game, right? It's, I mean, there's something about having the guitar-shaped control. Right. Um, but failing that, it's a, it's a lot more intuitive and fun than I would have thought. Um, the only problem I had with it was when you get to a really fast segment, you want to make sure you've got the DS like resting on a surface or something, because if you're trying to click buttons that fast, you'll shake the screen around and lose sight of everything. You'll lose perspective? Yes. But other than that, it was really cool. They've already announced a sequel, I believe, so it's it's sold pretty well. Now, you'd think for something like uh, the Nintendo DS, it would be like, instead of Guitar Hero, it would be like the Ukulele Hero or something like that, just to kind of match the miniature, you know, bit of the DS. I guess they're not that daring. Ukulele Hero, and oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> E3 is going on as we speak. Uh, the Electronic Entertainment Expo in Los Angeles. But it's in the middle of it, so I, I guess it's not really worth recapping half the story. Have you heard any good stories from it? There have been some interesting ones. Final Fantasy Thirteen is going to be released on the Xbox 360 simultaneously with the PS3, which is, which is actually quite a blow to Sony, because that was one of their big exclusive games for the console. Do you think that um, releasing uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen? 
is a bad omen. You know how like they won't build buildings with a 13th floor? You know, shouldn't they just go straight to Final Fantasy 14? Um, I don't know, because the 13th game was actually a long time ago, so they've had all sorts of spinoffs and movies and uh, all kinds of fun. Xbox Live is going to have a completely new interface. So that'll be interesting to see. The Xbox 360 interface is going to be completely rebuilt, um, and it's going to feature a clone of Miis from the Nintendo huh. Wii. They're going to have their own avatars. Are they going to be as uh, everyone- awesome as the Miis? I think they're going to be more that you use them and control them uh, than you see with the Miis. Nintendo, of course, has had a bunch of announcements of uh, upcoming games, new peripherals. Um, no, no real surprises on that front. They say there's a new Mario and Zelda in the works, but with no more information than that. New Mario and Zelda for the Wii? Uh, I'd assume for the Wii. Oh my god. Are you serious? Like, That's all they said. They didn't. No, there was no detail at Hold all. Hold on, I'm verklempt. Just give me a second. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm better. Really? Okay. Go on. Um, that's about all that, that I've caught so far. Uh, um, so I'm sure Sony had a presentation, but no one's paying much attention to them. Nintendo uh, owned this show, and then Microsoft surprised everyone. Now, what do you think, like, the given the three big uh, gaming platforms, like, what are your, what are your thoughts on who's really kind of living up to their full potential most of the three of them. It's kind of hard to say. Um, the PS3 is undoubtedly underperforming. Um, it never captured the market share that a lot of people expected it to. Do you think they'll be able to have a comeback? They might. It's all going to come down to their, their platform-exclusive games. Um, they've already had Metal Gear Solid 4, which is one of their exclusives, um, and that was met really well uh, critically as well as sales. Um, they've got Gran- the Gran Turismo auto racing series uh, still in their pocket. So I, they're not dead by any means, but this, losing the exclusiveness of Final Fantasy was big for them. Oh. Um, Xbox is making a real run at the social gaming scene, casual gaming, um, and it's got the biggest uh, installed base of um, the two big uh, heavy hardware next-gen consoles. Um, it's, not, it's not even close between the 360 and the PS3. Um, and then there's the Wii, which is I, – I, I still don't think you can buy one. They're that hard to find. Um, and they're they're hanging in there and trucking right along. Yeah, it, it almost seems like uh, it just from – I'm not experienced with the consoles because I don't have any of them. And I've been talking about the Wii forever that I'm going to buy one, and I never seem to because I can never find one. Um, it, it would seem that uh, Nintendo almost kind of is still riding the whole like gimmick wave for the on the Wii, whereas the Xbox 360 is just a more solid, uh, full-featured gaming platform with like just a well, lot more. I'm not, I'm not sure about gimmick. Um, the Virtual Console is done very well on the Wii. You can buy a lot of classic games still. They're starting to release their own unique uh, WiiWare, they call it. So those are um, smaller games that you can download for the Wii. Ah, it's. It's not so much a gimmick. You do see a divide in Wii games where some games are clearly designed with the Wii mode in mind and they're generally pretty fun to play. Then a lot of games are clearly designed with a standard controller in mind and then hacked together to work on the Wii mode, and those are typically frustrating. So they, they have their own market, I think. Hmm. Well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, because I, I, I always used to think that when the first Xbox came out, I was, I'm, I, you know, like... I hate this because Microsoft is just treading where they should not. But then when the Xbox 360 came out, it's like, wow, they really like are 
good at capturing a good audience and all that sort of thing. So yeah, they've they've done pretty well, and their uh, their new feature that they're touting, of course, that some games will start installing components to the hard drive, uh, which is something they always said would never happen, and nobody really believed them. The DVD is just too slow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, then it's good because now you can download updates for games and that sort of thing. Uh, um, you've always been able to do that. But now they're actually going to make kind of a core platform feature that they'll allow people to install to the hard drive. Oh, so you won't even have to put the disc into the console? You probably will, but it, um, the games will let you install you know, big chunks to the hard drive just for speed and sake. That's very cool. I like it a lot. Excellent. So I hear a rumor that we got another voicemail. We did get another voicemail. Let's listen. Hi, guys. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this awesome uh, podcast, which I can only assume is the number one rated podcast in the entire Internet. Which Internet, I'm not sure, but one of them anyway. And the only problem is that despite its awesomeness, it's somewhat inconsistent. So I was hoping that you guys could maybe tell me how to, I don't know, hack the, hack the podcasters' computers and leave them messages to say, make another podcast, or maybe their bank accounts, or something like that. So if you could offer suggestions on technological incentives for podcasters to make new episodes, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Well, I can't imagine what podcasters he was referring to becoming erratic, uh, but money works for me, and it's pretty low-tech. Yeah. uh, we uh, Maybe we should set up a PayPal account so that... Our, our greedy, inconsiderate listeners can wire us money in order for us to keep the podcast going. Because this is so high budget. It is. The production costs for a single episode often top $3. They do. Well, you'd think with all that money we're getting from Mary Kay for, for sponsoring this, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the bright pink headsets and, you know, uh, Skype... You know, lipstick edition or lipstick edition, whatever. <laughs> How, you know, what, what can you say? Um, yeah. So we're sorry about the erraticness. It really mostly involved the move uh, out to California. So and the fact we're be- we're. Oh that? no! I was just saying the fact that you you uh, now live like seventy six hours before me. Yes, it's that, it's really hard for us to schedule a time because. Uh, if it's if I'm out of work, it's already late evening on the East Coast. Yes, it is very late evening right now. But I, I th- sometimes I think of it like, uh, have you heard of that movie? I think it's called like Lake Lake House or something like that, where you, they can like they send letters back and forth through time. They put it in the mailbox and it will like kind of go back in time, and someone like 20 years ago gets it or something like that. Yeah, the Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah, it, it, this is something like that. I feel like I'm talking back in time. It's like, Pat, what's the past like? The past is radical. It is the distant past. It is 8.52, no, 7.52 p.m. Ooh. I know, it's that crazy? I can't, creepy. I can't even imagine. So speaking of creepy, I went surfing this week. You went. So that's that's California for you. I I went out and tried to ride a plastic stick on top of waves. Do I have to censor that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a beep in there. 
Did I say something objectionable? <laughs> Apparently not where you're from. No, so <laughs> so how did you see any sharks? Uh there were no actually we were right where the shark attack happened back in April, but uh there's no sharks. That was the first shark attack since like nineteen fifty. Oh really? Any pirates? No. The pi- piracy's not very common in California. Oh, that's too bad. Because just think, the weather's too nice. The weather, <laughs> all the pirates are too busy sitting on the decks of their pirate ships drinking pina coladas. Pretty much. So, like when you so when you surfed, how uh, how hard was it? Like, did you ride like a mile down the wave or fifteen hundred feet? I, or I never quite got to a full standing position, uh, but it's awesome, right? And it's like. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of gallons of water pushing you, and you're just trying not to fall off. It's great. Well, everyone should do it. Everyone? What, a, everyone. what, about, what about people who are like 95 years old and in wheelchairs? They might find it more challenging. <laughs> I think I – actually, I think the federal government should, should not allow people to surf because it's not uh, accessible by everybody, by 95-year-old people. See, that's – actually. Specifically, beaches here are exempted from having to provide handicapped access if if they're not if they're like down a cliff or something. Really? Um, because it just looks awful to put the big ramps out by the beach, and they I guess they figure what what are you going to do if if you're not ambulatory on the beach? Yeah, you're not going to swim. You're not going to walk. You have a hard time moving a wheelchair through sand. Yeah. Oh, well, that's too bad. It's not really too bad. So. It's good. Speaking of surfing and California, actually, I'm not that really... That means spe- we're about to talk about something that has nothing to do with surfing or California. Right. But we were speaking of surfing in California. So sure. now, no longer speaking about surfing California, <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about le- a lot lately. Not really. Um, but just, I, I've been thinking about... Yeah, you I, know, did, I didn't believe that at all. You, you yeah. wouldn't be thinking... No, I wasn't thinking. I was, you know, I'm not sure what it was. But I, w- I was thinking about, like, the company I work at. I, you know, I work at, like, just a little IT consulting firm, but it's growing. And I'm thinking about, like, other people in the industry. And I've talked to, you know, other people who work in IT and, uh, you know, they're programmers, software developers, whatever. And I've just been kind of thinking about what is a good way to retain your developers if you, if you're running a an IT consulting firm really i think it's vital for you to understand that your best uh, asset is your you know are is your technical staff your developers uh and sometimes i think companies lose sight of that that's so, true yeah so uh, and, and you know like so, so for somewhere where like you work uh you know, like if you didn't, if if they just pretty much had a bunch of grunts working there, your company would fail, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah. Most mo- most IT companies really, you know, live and die on the on the strength of the team that they build and their familiarity with all their, you know, legacy code base and all of that. Yeah. So I- I've been thinking about I-, I I pretty much pared down all of my thoughts into a uh, the ten or best ways to lose your best developers because now this is not a top 10 list because David Letterman might sue us. It, it's not a top 10 list. And because the order is somewhat arbitrary, cause I, I didn't, you know, I don't really have statistics to say what it is. So it's really 
the top 10 list that I came up with. So it's an arbitrarily ordered decade of ways to lose your best developers. It really is. Yeah, and, uh, and so I was just thinking about some of these, and, I, and it, they're, they're stuff you and I have talked about before. So I just thought we might just kind of go through them, and uh, you know, hope maybe someone will hear these and uh, you know, not lose their best developers. Because I want to po- chime in on our blog. Yes, on our blog, which the address for that is www.tweakandgeek.com slash podcast. Or they could happy to have your comments. And or they could call our voicemail at six seven eight nine 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 six three two one. So I, I want to make one caveat about this top ten list. That this is note I said this is the top ten ways to lose your best developers. Because kind of the sad fact of life is if you make a really bad working environment, your worst people are probably gonna stick around because if you're bad at what you do or ineffective or apathetic, what's going to happen is you're just going to basically, you, you know, you kind of know it and you're happy to have any job at all. So this is, so your best developers are always going to be skimmed right off the top. So Right. Any Anytime you allow people to self-select who's going to leave, it's going to be the people who have good opportunities elsewhere. Exactly. And who don't have to, who don't have to undergo these particular things. Um, all right, so the number ten one I came up with is subject them to unreasonable IT policies, and so define an unreasonable IT policy. All right, well I know a guy, for instance, who he's a software architect at a company, so he is basically like a very talented programmer, well paid, and he has to and so at this company, which is not an IT company, it's just a regular company, he works in IT. The IT department decided to uh, lock down the internet. You. If you want, to, if you have to search for something on Google, you have to get like special permission from your boss, and everybody knows a developer is uh, like you know any a developer is, needs you know access to the internet for you know looking up stuff or whatever. They need oftentimes they need to be administrators on their own machine to install certain tools, and to and I would say an unreasonable IT policy would be to to cripple. Your uh, your developers access to the technology that they need, you know, concerning the internet or their own computers, because we're all professionals. Us developers, we're all professionals. We're presumably not going to be downloading porn at work. We're not we're not going to be stupid enough to download viruses and infect our company network, and we're not going to spend all day long browsing the web. Okay, and, so that's a good example. Yeah, and I think it's somewhat condescending to kind of lump developers in with kind of average users, you know, because from a computer st- standpoint, the developers are kind of higher on the food chain. Okay. All right. So number nine was enforce unreasonable working hours and inflexible, inflexible schedules. Uh, the so, perpetual death march. Exactly. The perpetual death march or, for instance... Uh, By the way. When a common feature of your industry is named after something as awful as the Bataan Death March, you know, uh-huh. you're in, you know, and programming is part art and part science, right? It's more of a craft than than just a pure science. It, it is, and to and you need to kind of meet people where they're at, because, for instance, something like, you know, if if you know if you have a developer who wants to work, say, ten hour days and come in half day on Friday. 
or they want to come in at 10 o'clock in the morning and work till 8 o'clock at night. There are companies out there that will not allow that. They're like, no, our operating hours are 8 to eight to 5.30, and you need to be there during that time. And really, if you're someone who's kind of involved with a creativity sort of thing, they need to – you kind of you know, get them where they're at. And now, some, now, in some jobs, that kind of thing makes sense, right, because you'll have a lot of customer contact. That's true. Yes, but it's you know it 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 makes sense to be reasonable, right? And that's why I say like inflexible or unreasonable because it's not unreasonable to say you know you you're a help desk technician you need to be there when the people are calling. But if you're just working on a project in a you know you can at your desk you know why can't you you know do it at home or you know do it you know at odd hours? I I have a friend who. Uh, actually has good hours he because he lives in the bay area he goes to he goes to work at like 11 in the morning and works like nine at night or something like that so that he misses all the rush hour and stuff like that well that's good uh where i work we do we have core hours of 10 to 5 Mm -hmm. so you have to be there between 10 and 5 you know except for lunch right um but how you shift your schedule around that is up to you so you could come in at 10 and work till 7 or come in at whatever eight and work till five type thing yes oh that's cool excellent um all right well number so moving on yeah number eight underpay them oh and, that's killer especially it, today we i mean we're in a soft economy but remember the job pro- projections for it show absolutely no weakening of demand for it through 2012 exactly well and that's and part of that is uh I think in the consulting industry, I, I've noticed that we are getting a lot more work because people don't want to hire IT staff, so we get, you know, we get more work and are working much harder. So there's like a ton of there are jobs out there in IT, and they're like, and right now still uh, good help is hard to find. So uh, that means that you know there are a comparative comparable number of positions and. Uh, you know, and candidates for them. So there's no need, there's no reason why a company should be paying, you know, significantly below market value or that sort of thing. And nothing, w- nothing can cause a good developer to leave faster than finding out someone who's been there, you know, half the time or whatever is making more money or, you know, finding out that, you know, people who have e- less responsibilities are uh, making less money because of you know, just kind of the time frame in which they get hired or that sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a team breaker. Yes. Um, number seven is something that we all hate. Uh, you can lose... You? <laughs> all right. Number 7.5 is me. Number seven <laughs> is micromanage your developers. It's a, oh, yes. That's a killer. It's yeah, a great way to to piss people off and get them to leave. And in, I mean, there are so many stories and anecdotes about programmers. Uh, I think they're they're notoriously independent, um, which le- leads to this interesting. Uh, um, what's that word when you have proverb? Uh, cut that part. All right. Oh, that's totally not getting cut. <laughs> There's a proverb about managing programmers that it's like herding cats. Um, and the uh, the consulting company EDS actually did a great Super Bowl commercial a few years ago, uh, where they had the cat herders uh, for the f- whole focus of the minute or so. 
whatever obnoxious rate Super Bowl airtime goes for. That, that's a that's a great. Uh, I haven't seen the commercial, but I, I see you've posted a link to that. Uh, that's a great idea, and in turn, it's also a great analogy because uh, they're stubborn, ind- independent, and that kind of goes back to that whole like artsy thing. Because programmers tend to be pretty smart, and you know, kind of, and also kind of tinkerers, and you know, they want to do their own thing. So, if you're coming around, if you're a manage, if you're managing programmers, and you're coming around every 15 minutes asking what they're doing, or you're telling them down to the hour level, you know, what they should be doing, you're going to get under their skin very fast and make them want to go. True. All right. Uh, number six, discourage teamwork. And, wow. So explain that. Well, this discourage teamwork is uh, when, you know, you would expect that, you know, everyone always talks about, oh, we work in teams or whatever. But when you have a team or a group of people, uh, not encouraging teamwork is kind of like discouraging it. Uh, teamwork is when you know having the the staff kind of mix and match their talents. Some where you have where you put people on projects and groups or whatever where their skills complement each other because the whole is definitely more than the sum of the parts. And when you kind of arbitrarily uh, stick people together or you. Uh, or, or you, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking arbitrarily in that you just kind of assign people at kind of a random way to do things at kind of disjoint times, so they're not actually working together. I think, you know, that is something that would kind of discourage teamwork. Or having sure, and then I mean, tech, technologically, you can discourage teamwork, right? If you don't set up the appropriate tool chains to foster multi-developer work, you know, good good source control and branching control. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, things like that. I mean, that that makes it an obstacle to effectively working as a team. Yeah, and, and people, you know, but the thing is also kind of on the converse of that. You don't want to like make everything a team thing. Some people, you know, or maybe some things just don't need a team for. You know, sometimes you know you just give something to someone, let them go with it. Uh, right. There, are, there are people who don't play well with others, and there are tasks that don't need a team to complete. Right. And sometimes people kind of over team things, but. Uh, generally, those just kind of when you over team something that like it, it get it you know it gets kind of burdened. So instead of like discourage teamwork, it's abuse. Teamwork. Yeah, let's say that. But I was going to say that if you kind of overuse teamwork or you know the total team concept, it becomes a burden. But it's generally people don't hate it; they more just kind of like feel that they're wasting time. But when you discourage it and uh, you know you don't foster good teamwork or a good team environment, then it like kind of makes people feel negative, you know, negative. And since they're not kind of doing whole team things, uh, they don't like to get to complain about it with their coworkers. So, okay. Anyway. So number five, uh, have no clear technology roadmap for your company. Ah, that's a common problem. It it is. And I, I think one thing that I see a lot in, uh, companies is, uh, no, the, uh, one of the things that, I see a lot of is the ASP.NET where people, which for you people who may not know, ASP.NET is a web development platform based on the Microsoft.NET platform. And it's, it's pretty good. It makes web rapid web application development quite easy. However, what happens is that, uh, you know, five or six, seven years ago, a bunch of companies got on the ASP.NET bandwagon. They were version 1.1 visual studio 2003, which is, 
which was great for the time. But now we're like two versions beyond that, and you know we're just kind of we're we're past that. And really, that's where the industry is going. But there's a lot of companies out there who are still they have they're they refuse to move forward uh, on uh, you know with this roadmap. You know they they're just like we're just going to stay with this forever. And that's and that's you know that's frustrating for the developers when they see better tools that would make their lives easier that are being ignored. Exactly, exactly. And in terms of this, this kind, to be honest, this kind of collides with another one. But so for and for the company, it's also um, for the actual f- uh, framework for the company, not just your development tools, but to not be able to work on kind of new new technologies that are coming out you know, as kind of the business things, like maybe not upgrading the database server to something, you know, more full-featured and easier to work with and that sort of thing. You know, just that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, but anyway. And that's, that's, well, I think this is going to kind of collide with the next item, but, and this is where you start feeling people who say, oh, our employees are our biggest asset and they're not willing to put their money where their mouth is there. Which brings us to number four, be stingy with your training budget. And that's an that is an endemic problem throughout the industry. It's notoriously difficult to get training, right? Because many many employers look at that as like, oh, if I buy training for my employees, it makes them more valuable and they'll leave. Which is kind of a strange mindset. It seems like you'd you'd feel kind of beholden to your employer for giving you training and you'd want to stick around for a while. Yeah, and that goes into the whole like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Uh methodology where you you kind of like cripple your employees so it's like you know if i can't have them nobody can have them so you know you're just going to keep them as you know dumb as un- and unhappy as possible but without making them dumb and unhappy enough to leave right um about eight years into my programming career i went to an introductory net training course um, and even then, I mean, at, with all that experience, I still learned plenty at a, at a very introductory level. Yeah, I mean, it's always valuable to send employees out for training. Yeah, and and they're gonna and they're going to, regardless of what you think, they're going to uh, learn something new as you did. And and I would have to say, if you're gonna send someone to training, you know, it's good. Don't make them write long uh, trip reports and blah blah blah. That just you know, kind of you have to kind of have some trust in them that. You know, you just need to invest in training, and they're going to learn stuff, and it's going to make them better developers. Yeah, and don't just buy a book and expect them to self-train either. If I mean, nothing compares with the experience of off-site, dedicated, you know, not answering pages every ten minutes classroom training. Exactly. Yes, classroom training is good. Or, or laboratory training, I guess. Yeah, laboratory like the genetics laboratory where you get to come back a mutant. Yeah, you make them smarter with retroviruses ah so uh, we're in the wrong industry okay <laughs> number number three uh discourage them from using industry standards and best practices in order to, to meet budget or timelines which this is like or let me uh paraphrase that make your developers cut corners develop yeah i mean i uh, in one shop that i was in i heard cannot even tell you how many times i was told oh don't use xml web services just use a flat text file that'll be easier yes exactly which is great because it, you know especially in a net environment it wouldn't be there there are so many tools for handling xml and none for handling flat text yeah or, or yeah it, yeah precisely or think of this uh, how many times have you heard um 
uh, you know, we have an exception to our business rules. Just hard code it in. You know, just hard code that person's oh. email address in. Uh, the the baby Jesus just cried a little. Oh bit. yeah, it, it's that that is just it, it makes my skin crawl. And, and yeah, and that's like that's that's one of the the axioms I always told my team was if someone comes to you and says, "Can't you just?" The answer is almost definitely no. Yeah. Can you you know what the, my favorite thing is when they're can't you just link these two things together when, when someone who's not technical comes to just link these two things together that is like the most overused concept that really has no meaning at all that is used <laughs> you, you've, you've heard it before I'm, a lot i'm sure like just link link yes. these two things together well what do you mean by link <laughs> you know so yeah so this i mean this comes back to the question of right the perceived cost of doing something now versus the real cost of doing it wrong and having to redo it later. Yeah, and but there's always like you know there are give and take. You know sometimes you can't do sure. it the very best way. You know, but you need to, you know, you kind of have to have like kind of a a minimum set of standards that you use. So right, you know, but gen- generally speaking, rework is about an order of magnitude more expensive than work. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so number two is uh, enforce unrealistic timelines and budgets, which... And that usually leads to our earlier one of unreasonable hours and schedules that can't be adjusted. Right. And I think a lot of time this comes from non-technical salespeople or, you know, non-technical managers or whatever promising things that, you know, they don't know whether or not they can deliver without talking to the developers. And and so they say, well... Because when when it comes down to it, developing software has, you know, a time cost that can't be avoided. Um, I, yeah, my analogy I like to use when hitting some frustration with this is I could tell you that a mile is 4,000 feet long and after you walked 4,000 feet, you still wouldn't be at your destination. That, that's, that's actually really great. Yeah. I I just, I I tell people a lot, uh, I have to say we're getting that very much under control at my, my workplace because we've had some problems in the past with, you know, bad budgets where you know i kind of get talked into agreeing to an estimate you know i say the estimate is this and i kind of get convinced that well the customer is not going to want to pay for that you know and then let's let's kind of trim off some of the time or whatever and then when push comes to shove you know oh look we've skimmed you know 25 percent of the costs of this project and then the project is 25 percent over budget Right, either you eat the cost, you have to cut features. Exactly. Um, no, no, someone's unhappy whenever that happens. I, I actually have to make a correction to my math. If we, we look, we cut twenty five percent off the budget, and the project end up, ends up being thirty three percent over budget. That's true. So I, I good, good, good correction. I, I didn't want to have to do an erratum for that. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, and it is all right. So the final one, number one, and. I think we kind of covered this, but this is to make make your developers use outdated technology without uh, any plans to upgrade. Uh, and I, I say that in terms of developers want to keep their skill sets fresh. And if you don't allow developers to work on, uh, you know, to work on things that are kind of current, they're going to fear for their career, and they will leave out of what they feel is necessity because. They're gonna. They feel kind of like they'll be chained to you forever. And oh, absolutely. I mean, a developer in today's market who's never touched web services has closed a lot of doors. Yeah. And they're not going to stand for that for very long. Exactly. What's a web service? <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought it was like when you order pizza online. Oh, okay. I, I think I hear several doors slamming. 
<laughs> That'd be a great service. Yeah. So, so that's the uh, the ten kind of thought, thoughts I had on ways to lose your good developers. And I think it's you're going to find this sort of thing is pretty universal. Some, you know, there's probably other ones that I didn't think of, and some of these maybe other developers would disagree with. But I mean, it's just kind of something interesting, you know. It's very interesting. Uh, oh, um, and if this. Oh yes. no! Go on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I say this is a great uh, point again to remind our readers. You know, chime in. Uh, everyone's got stories. Uh, we'll, we'll if you'd like to email us at tg at tweakinggeek.com, We'll even make sure to anonymize stories before posting. Yes, or or if you want to tell your story live, dial six seven eight nine 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 six three two one. Or you can send us an MP3 or whatever, and we'll we'll play your story and. Uh, I don't know. Can we do anything about uh, changing people's voices? You know what? It won't matter because I'm sure your bosses your bosses are too busy uh, micromanaging and making sure you don't have the latest technology in order. You know, they don't have time to listen to this podcast. Or they're golfing. Or they're golfing. Well, Pat, now that we've talked about the highs and lows of the technology industry, I think we probably want to give the ears of our listeners a rest. All right. Bedtime, everyone. Turn off your iPods and no. Uh, well, no, you don't. Don't turn on the easy listening station of AOL Radio on your iPod Touch app. Or go drink yourself an iPint. Drink yourself an iPint, and then if the Sith uh, invade your bedroom while you're trying to sleep, you can always use your eye saber or eye lightsaber to uh, to vanquish them. Awesome. Sounds like we've got all the bases covered. We do. So thanks for listening. And Pat, would you like to tell them one more time how to get in touch with us? Sure. All episodes of the Tweak and Geek podcast are available at our blog, www.tweakandgeek.com slash podcast. You can email us at tg at tweakandgeek.com or you can call us at 678-999-6321. Excellent. Well, oh, do you have, any, do you have before we go? Do you have any shoutouts? I have no shoutouts this week. You know, I don't either, and that's that. Just goes to show we're punishing all of our listeners. No shoutouts because you didn't comment on our last episode, which was awesome. So, tisk tisk. That's true. We we got only two comments last time. That is downright pathetic. Yeah. Listen, the listener base of the Tweaking Geek uh, Empire. We're now officially censured. You know, we're starting to sound like a public radio uh, pledge drive. <laughs> if you listen to us and don't comment, you're practically stealing this show for free that we don't charge. Do you hear that screaming in the background? Every minute that we don't get a donation from you people, we're torturing that orphan even more. Knowing our listeners, that they won't donate now. Yeah, they actually probably will just supply us with more orphans. So, okay. <laughs> All right, well, on that note. All right, well, take care and uh, talk to you soon. See you next time. Maybe. A little dancing stick figure. It's a ninja kicking you. Oh, a ninja kicking you. That's very cute. Cut, cut that bit. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs>